With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's bonus episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, saying that I am your host, Fernanda Prates, for the last time in 2020. That's right, the never-ending year is, indeed, about to end. And as much as I would like to pretend that I am immune to the sentimentality that is usually attached to such occasions, what's the point of lying at this point of our relationship? So yes, maybe it is about to get just a little nostalgic, but I promise I won't take up too much of your time. Just humor me for a bit as I reflect on this uh, unique grouping of months. In the second episode of this podcast, I talked about the idea of conflict. More specifically, about how hard it is to reconcile my relationship with MMA as both a fan and a writer with all the many things that I know are wrong with it. This year, obviously, these conflicts have gotten a new layer with the whole catastrophic global health crisis thing. It's funny how so much has been written, said, and explained about COVID-19, and there still seems to be no way to properly verbalize its impact on the way we exist on this planet. Saying this virus has literally changed everything sounds like such an exaggeration, and at the same time, kind of insufficient. Alas, it's the best and honestly maybe the only way I can really put it. Interestingly enough, I was there to witness firsthand one of the first times MMA had to reckon with the pandemic. The day after I got back from a three-month stay in Toronto, I went to Brasilia to cover the UFC's first 2020 incursion to Brazil. At that point, I had watched read, and heard enough to know that it was time to be worried that the epidemic that broke out in Wuhan wasn't about to stay there. But denial is a powerful force, and in hindsight, I realized how much of it was mixed in with my general cluelessness. In my defense, other than the occasional mass traveler and questions about any recent trips to China, there was nothing abnormal about my trip back to Brazil. So I got home to Rio, packed again, and left for what I expected would be just like any other fight week. If I had a narrator voice, that's probably when I would use it to forebodingly say that this wouldn't, in fact, be like any other fight week. On Wednesday, as I sat down for dinner after a full day of interviews and unnecessary stress over minor inconveniences, news broke of a decree forbidding any gatherings of more than 100 people taking place in Brasilia. Looking back, Several things about that moment make me feel ridiculous, but perhaps none more than the fact that I was pissed off. 
I felt like this was such an exaggeration considering the small amount of cases in Brasilia and I honestly felt bad for myself and all the content I had planned to run that week. We didn't know if there was going to be fights on Saturday, let alone a media day in weigh-ins. And of course, just moments before all hell broke loose in the entire planet, I had my priorities in place and worried about the real issue, how it would all affect me. Again, I feel a little silly in hindsight. That Friday, March 13th, a Bellator event scheduled to take place that same night in Connecticut was canceled due to concerns over the pandemic. The USC event, for its part, did go on, but under special circumstances. They adopted a reduced staff and there was no crowd in attendance at the venue. We still had access to fighters, but after they were brought back to a media room assembled at the host hotel. Nobody was tested, none of us were wearing masks, and frankly, I don't think any of us were all that worried. I know I wasn't. Not enough to consider not doing my job that night anyway. It's funny, but like in a sad way, to think that only a few days later, I would return to a ghost town in Rio, trying desperately to find masks and disinfecting wipes. But that Saturday, as we assembled in a windowless room, having close proximity conversations with fighters who flew from all over the world in the early days of a fast-spreading pandemic, along with teams also flown from all over the world in the early days of a fast-spreading pandemic, it all seemed a-okay. We asked the fighters if they were worried, and while a couple did say yes, the attitude was mostly casual. I guess for them, like for me, it just really hadn't hit home yet. Interestingly enough, a little while later, long before I joined this lovely team, I was invited to a Fanbyte podcast as a guest to talk about that experience in Brasilia. I remember saying that there was no handbook for sports in a pandemic, which is also funny, but also in a kind of sad way, because it's been months and several sports leagues have developed their own safety strategies. And I still don't think we have the handbook. I couldn't possibly cover everything that has happened since then in just a few minutes, but let's just say we've gone through several stages in the pandemic MMA relationship. Events in mainstream organizations stopped and then they resumed. The UFC in particular went from being rightfully criticized for its early days defiance of the outbreak to holding relatively safe events in its Abu Dhabi fight island. From there, it was on to the recent UFC Apex batch of events and the growing wave of last-minute COVID-related cancellations. New questions about safety arose, which seemed to have been met with the tightening of what had previously been somewhat of a wobbly bubble in Las Vegas. The UFC's fight week procedures, which include ample testing and mask-wearing rules, have been successful in what they wanted to achieve, and that so far there has been no evidence that anyone actually fought while infected. At the same time, we're dealing with a situation in which the word safe can mean different things depending on who you ask. We know about the athletes who tested positive ahead of scheduled bouts, but we don't really know about the people around them. We have thankfully not seen deaths, not at least within the big rosters, but there's no way of knowing the kind of long-term impacts that infected athletes might end up dealing with. Fighters might be extensively tested once they arrive to their fight week location, and one could argue that's all a promotion can really be expected to do, but then what do we make of the fact that these fighters still have to train before they get there? 
Are we just casually accepting that this class of athletes who have been historically underpaid for their high-risk jobs should just be left to deal with a whole new layer of risk without a new layer of pay? Should they even be asked to? Especially without the ability to organize and collectively negotiate the terms of these risks. Over the past few weeks, I have been fortunate enough to chat with a series of wonderful guests who discussed these matters with me. I asked for their thoughts on how safe they really think these events are and what steps could be taken to make them safer. I asked about the very notion of safety in a sport that involves close contact at busy gyms. We discussed the UFC in comparison to safer leagues like the NBA and unsafer leagues like the NFL. I grappled with my conscience, noting that all my criticism of MMA hasn't stopped me from avidly consuming it and making it my sole source of income. More than once, I joked that if I was really being honest with myself, I just don't think any sports should be happening, which is also funny in a sad way because part of me does think that's true. Then that part of me is confronted with the other part of me that asks, but what about the athletes that need to fight to make a living? Which in turn is confronted by the part that says, well, in a fair system, they shouldn't need to fight in the middle of a pandemic to make a living, which is then confronted by the part that reminds me that these theoretical conversations have no place in a practical world which is then confronted by the part that reminds me that without theoretical questioning, there isn't practical actions, which is then confronted by, you get the gist of it. The fact is that I ask these questions to my guests, knowing that I am asking for big answers that I haven't been able to give myself, which granted might have something to do with my pathological insecurity and shameful inability to commit to a single point of view, but might also have something to do with the fact that the world as a whole doesn't seem to be in the business of big answers right now. If in some ways this year has forced us to confront unprecedented problems, in many others it just put a magnifying glass on the ones that have always been there. That's been the case with medical care, with labor issues, with the very structure of our societal and economic systems. But since I'm not smart enough to discuss medical care, labor issues, and the very structure of our societal and economic systems, I guess I'm left with babbling on about MMA. Now, this is the point where I address the elephant in the room. If this is supposed to be some kind of 2020 recap, why am I only talking about COVID? To which I answer, I have no idea, man. <laughs> If I'm being honest, I sat down to write today's script fully expecting some kind of sappy journey full of heartwarming moments and silver linings. In fact, several drafts of this started with me boldly proclaiming I wouldn't even touch on COVID because I, for one, could really use a break from it. I promised that I had every intention to lift your spirits, bathe you in positivity, remind you that there are good things happening out there. And there are. I swear, I googled it. Alas, several deleted paragraphs and about three Nutella-fueled creative meltdowns later, my mind kept going back to that week in Brasilia and how quickly things went from being normal to being whatever this is, yada yada, now we're all bummed again. But hey, here's a silver lining for you. Thanks to this beautiful thing called science, we now have several viable vaccines. And despite our dumbass presidents and terrible people who profit greatly from stoking ignorance and fear, they are already making their way through the population. Hopefully, by this time next year, I get to do the nice episode, talking about the ways in which 2021 was so much cooler and how much better things are now that we have abolished ice, dismantled capitalism, and forced billionaires to reckon with the inherent cruelty of their existence. 
Until then, at least there's sugar, wine, and what appears to be several Twitter accounts dedicated to showing daily pictures of raccoons. This has been the best camp of my life. See you next year.